This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Good. I'm... uh... Just to let our listeners know, we're thrilled about our guest today. Looking, been looking forward to this one for a long time. Means something extra because we have the legend himself on this morning, uh, Bob the Bobcat McCowan, uh, who uh, entertained us and informed us for so many years on primetime sports. Uh, unquestionably, the king of sports talk radio in Canada uh, for so many, so many, so many years. Uh, Naz, looking forward to this one. Yeah, so am I. Uh, he's a very uh, knowledgeable guy. He's, I did some research in the past couple of days. He's gone through a hell of a life, let me tell you. <laughs> well, we certainly uh, look forward to uh, taking the benefit of your research, Naz. Uh, uh, a great career, which uh, a few things to chat about, Bob. Today, a career that uh, he's got some new things on the go, and uh, we're going to talk about that right off the hop. I mean, uh, talking about Bob McCowan brings back so many, so many great memories. Uh, of course, started out in the 70s. Uh, our generation, Naz, we were big sports fans back in the day. And, uh, you know, Bob, uh, I think he was an announcer for the Blue Jays at one point, wasn't he? Or, uh, in 77, he was the announcer for the Blue Jays. Announcer yeah, for the Blue right. Jays. Then, then the great sports line on uh, on Global uh, and then primetime sports for so many, so many years. Uh, controversial guy, uh, great interviewer, if not the best in sports talk radio. Um, so uh, we will have Bob on for the entire hour. Uh, before we go to break, Naz, a uh, couple of thoughts. Yeah, I remember the one time Bob, I, I was on the air one time in the 90s and uh Cigarette vending was uh, eliminated from from um, it was illegal to have right cigarette machines and Bob was on the air with me and we talked about that. It was very interesting. He's a smoker. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that he is uh, knowledgeable and uh, certainly opinionated uh, about uh, you give him the topic to talk about, and he's certainly going to have strong opinions about it. There's no question about that. And before we go to break, Naz, I want to take the opportunity of uh, what we always do uh, have been doing for a while, thanking uh, all of our. all of our essential workers out there, our doctors, our nurses, our first responders, our police officers, fired, um, firefighters, uh, truck drivers, grocery store clerks, all those people who are uh, really, to a certain extent, uh, out there putting themselves at risk uh, for the benefit of our society. And uh, we certainly want to take the opportunity of once again giving our thanks for that. 
Uh, Naz, uh, last word before we go to break. Yeah, the distance thing has to be uh, talked about. Right? I saw a picture on uh, on um, CP24 this morning. And all these young people are gathering like it's partying like no tomorrow. Please stop that. Stay a distance and let's get this over with. Um, absolutely correct, Naz. Great words. And on that note, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Bob McCallum. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact-free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, 
Robert Allen McCowan. Uh, Bob, greetings, salutations. How are you this morning? Well, I don't know. I'm usually not done throwing up at this time, but <laughs> you two idiots, I got up. <laughs> I, I was a little bit concerned, Bob, that we, we would get the You haven't lost a bit. <laughs> you haven't lost a step. I was a little bit concerned we'd get the we'd get the nice Bob, but we uh, we got we got Bob McCown. Thanks. Oh, for there was me. no danger of that happening. Oh my God, Bob! Listen, thanks for joining us. I know I know you don't do interviews uh, in uh, in uh, all that often. It's not you're probably not your favorite activity. Spending uh, spending a beautiful Sunday morning with a bunch of old guys on Zoomer Radio, but I, I got to tell you, based on your demographic, you, you certainly fit in here. Uh, let me get this out of the way really quick, Bob, and then we'll move on. Um, I'll be quite frank, and I'll distill it to a couple of words. I miss you. I miss you on primetime sports. You are part of my drive home uh, for as many years as you were on the air. Being stuck in traffic is not as much fun as it used to be. I could almost tolerate my, my, my evening commute listening to you, but all kidding aside, uh, we loved you. Um, we miss you. Uh, we always enjoyed what you brought. And on that note, I'm going to segue because you've got something new uh, that's debuting. And uh, Primetime Sports with Bob McCowan may not be there, but tell us about your new venture, the podcast. Okay, you have got five minutes. Well, it sounds like a... Um Sounds like I died already, Walter. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Just trying um, to be nice. The the well, we've been toying with uh, doing something for some period of time, several months, and of course, this COVID crap has uh, put a damper on just about everything. And you know, we're all trying to figure out what you can, can't, should, shouldn't do, and I'm among those. And um, so we had a plan to do a uh, a podcast, more of a traditional podcast. But the truth of the matter is that talking about sports in this era where there is no sports seems to me to be a complete and utter waste of time. So what we came up with was this idea. You know, I, I, I am on social media. I'm not a big social media guy. I don't spend a lot of time with it. But we were, you know, over and over and over I was getting... You know, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? What are you going to do? Do a podcast? Do this? Do that? And so we said, all right, look at the people want to vent a little bit. They want to ask some questions. So we decided to do this podcast. Okay, you got five minutes. And um, as the title suggests, it's really a mini podcast. It lasts a little over five minutes. And what we do is we invite people to uh, come on one-on-one with me. Uh, via Zoom, and they got five minutes to ask me anything they want. And of course, dependent upon how long my answers are, which tend to be fairly long, they may ask two, three, four, five questions in that five minutes. But when the five minutes is up, that is it. They're toast, they're done, they're out the door, and that's the end of the podcast. So it's a mini podcast. You know, don't think you're going to get 45 minutes, two hours. None of that stuff, at least not right now. Uh, it's fast, it's dirty, it's quick. Hopefully it's fun, maybe a little bit informative. And uh, it starts, wait, tomorrow. 
Oh, it's, it's tomorrow. So if people want to be part of your show, uh, don't forget, this is Zuma Radio uh, podcast. Uh, uh, how do people find how do people find it and how do they get on the show? Well, it's on. Um, well, let me think now. It, it it will be available on Twitter. It will be available on Facebook, and it will be available on YouTube starting tomorrow. Now, will it expand beyond that? I suppose we will wait and see whether we have the kind of response that uh, we've had so far. Uh, but people go to the website. Now you're going to ask me, well, what's the website? And that, not, that's a good question because uh, I think it's info at fadoo.com. But we promote it during the show, and you literally send us a quick uh, email. Uh, we fire back a, uh, a small questionnaire, and I mean it's literally nothing. It's like two or three questions. Uh, you respond, and then we uh, we select people from there. So, in actual fact, when we launched the concept a couple of weeks ago, we already have enough people who have asked to come on to fill six months worth of shows. Wow! So, um, which is not doesn't necessarily mean that all those people will actually show up, but um, you know, we take a day a week and we record five of them, and then we release one a day. Uh, Monday to Friday. At least that's the way we're starting, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, can't can't tell you what the reaction will be until uh, you know later this week. Yes, Bob, is this uh, ever going to end? This virus thing it seems like it lingers on and on and on and on and on. And you're right; it affects sports for sure because there's not much to talk about. Well, I don't know how long this is going to last, Naz. You know, I mean, nobody does. And um, until there are, look, at my, my, my perspective on this is it, there's no sense doing a long-form show when there's nothing active to discuss. Um, you know, I always felt as though primetime was a topical show. It wasn't necessarily a today show, uh, but it was a, um, and what I mean by today is, I mean, it, it didn't, we didn't have to always deal with the immediate but if you don't have anything that's active, the list of topics that you can reasonably discuss that are of interest is going to be very minimal. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing a long-form show in this environment. Now, how long are we going to go with this? I don't know. We do have a longer-form show planned, but I can't tell you. You know, we've been sitting on it for months now, and I can't tell you when that, that might start or how long this one will end. But we do, I will say this much as a tease. Um, we have a plan to expand on this five-minute format that I think will be interesting to people. Uh, we just have to get through the first uh, couple of weeks, see how it goes, see if people you know, reasonably like it. And if that happens, then um, there'll be more to come. Bob, uh, social media, digital, podcasts, it's these in, in certain in certain ways are foreign concepts to a lot of our generation. Um, you know, we're used to tuning in the dial, pushing the pushing the dial five ninety. Uh, it's on. We turn we push a button. It's on now. Now now information in sports talk is being delivered in a different way. 
uh, in a lot of respects. Uh, what's the future, in your sense, um, sports talk radio is almost in quotation marks. It, it, where's, where's the digital empire, uh, the social media, the Facebook, the Instagram, and how does AM radio fit in on a go-forward basis? Oh, I don't think there's any danger of AM radio disappearing. I mean, it's been around for so long, Walter. And um, look, the technology is such that the signal you get from AM radio, and look, AM radio is a, a, a car-driven medium, which is not to say that people don't listen to it while they're at home. Um, you know, I'm sure we've all spent many nights, for example, in the summertime, uh, in the evening, turn the radio on, listen to a Blue Jay game, you know, and kind of as background. Um, and, 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 and that will continue. And AM radio will continue. It's a friend in the car. And um, the ratings have not suffered at all with the advent of all the new media. Um, it has not. Uh, radio has, has been hurt probably less than any other medium in terms of the the new sources of information like podcasts that you can you, you can subscribe to or get so i don't see that there's a, a negative future there and sports is part of the environment we launched the fan the f- first all sports radio station in canada about almost 30 years ago and um i mean i just don't i don't see any decline in interest in it now when you when you when you are focused on a particular part of the culture that currently does not exist to it sports it's pretty tough and i'm sympathetic to the guys that are still on the air but eventually that will change i don't know when but eventually that will change and people will go back to it as they did uh, you know as they have for the last 30 years so um, I, I don't see a decline. I don't see uh, I don't see any long term impact in this. Um, it's just it, I just don't know when it's going to end. Yes, Bob Ron McLean mentioned that ninety uh, percent of the uh, podcast listeners are fifty and up. Why is that? Do you think? I honestly can't comment on that because I haven't done any research, really, uh, any substantive research on that at all. Um, In fact, I suppose if you were to ask me what the age bracket is for podcast listeners, I would probably have said it would be much stronger under 50. So if that's an accurate depiction of who's listening, then I'm surprised. And, And really the reason is that you get to a well we all are of a certain age and we become creatures of habit and we're used to uh you know getting in our car and pushing a button and the radio comes on and then we listen and now we have all these other options and certainly when it comes to social media i can tell you in my rather limited experience in it on facebook on twitter that the vast majority of the people that follow me are younger. And yet, you know, I'm one of those guys who's been around for a long time, and so 
you would think that my audience principally would be older. And I just, I don't think that the 50-plus generation universally, collectively, has adapted to this new form of hearing things. For some, it's just too complicated. For some, it's it's too much of a, it's perceived as a waste of time. Um, you know, I am asked all the time, you know, how do I hear it? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, of course, I'm the wrong guy to answer because I, I'm not one of those animals. I'm not a podcast. I, you know, I'm, I'm typical of, of our generation. I'm not a podcast listener. I don't pretend to know a lot about podcasts. In fact, I acknowledge I know very little about podcasts. Um, I've done homework. I've done research into it. But that's analytical and, and technical. It's not, it's not from listening to thousands of hours of podcasts to try and determine what works, what doesn't work. So I guess, and I, I tried to say off the top that I have no idea whether this will be successful or not because I can't read the minds of the people that will listen to it. I don't know what their agenda is. I don't know what their motivation is. So we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this about as blindly as you possibly can. Will young people principally listen to this? I suspect so. Will the older generation, the 50-pluses, listen to it? Well, they have a better idea of who I am and what I bring to the table, whatever that is. Um, but are they willing to explore this new form of, um, of listening to audio? Or, or in our case, it's both audio and video because we're on Zoom. So, uh, Bob... Um change gears just a touch. We want to let our listeners know a little bit about you. Um, you're born in Columbus, Ohio. I was. Lockbourne Air Force Base. Uh, tell us, uh, you ended up in Canada at a young age because of a tragedy. Uh, you grew up in Scarborough. Uh, tell, us the, uh, tell us the early Bob McCowan story and perhaps those that would have been a big influence uh, as a mentor or a guidance-wise or a hero when you're a young kid growing up in Scarborough. Tell us that story. Well, um, you know, I don't talk about it much, Walter, to tell you the truth, and uh, principally because it's so long ago, I forget most of it. Um, you know, I, my dad passed away when I was a year old. Uh, he died of polio uh, just um, weeks before uh, Jonas Salk discovered the vaccine. And uh, so I've grown up, I grew up without a father, and uh, uh, no reason to feel sorry for me because I never knew any different. You know, if you lose somebody at any age in life, there's an adjustment that has to be made. I never had to make an adjustment because I, I never experienced what a, uh, a male parent brought to the table. So I don't feel like I was especially hard done by. You know, we were certainly... Uh, not wealthy. Uh, I wouldn't say we were impoverished, but we, you know, we got by. And um, my dad was a, a, a pro ball player and a pretty good athlete, and uh, so it was easy for me to, or maybe more naturally for me to gravitate towards sports. So I played everything and. Uh, got out of school, became a golf pro, spent five years doing that, 
when you're a golf pro in Canada, you're always looking for a winter job. And I did a whole bunch of things. And at one point, I got offered the opportunity to go and work at a radio station. And one thing led to another. And uh, I decided to give being on air a crack. And I think that that's probably the most unique part of my story is everybody I know who's in the business or been in the business aspired to be in the business. They wanted to be in the business. This was a decision that at some point in their life they made. Um, and for me, it was, it never even occurred to me. And it wasn't until I got into the business that I said, well, you know, I think I could probably do that. Let me give that a shot. Uh, and it, But it wasn't like a, a lifelong dream or aspiration. I didn't go to school for it. And then I got the really, really incredibly unique opportunity to start my broadcast career in Toronto. So I'm starting in, you know, the fourth largest market in, uh, in North America. Well, that never happens. You've got to work your way up. But through happenstance, that happened. And then, then there were a bunch of firsts along the way. Um, you know, I did the first uh, nightly talk show, a sports talk show in, in Canada. Uh, and I'm going to miss some things here. Oh, and then I went to I went to Global and launched Sportsline, which was the first of its kind, and it existed, I think, three years before TSN came on the air. And as, in essence, Sportsline on Global was the the trigger for um, an all sports network in this country because we proved that you could do a half hour show of highlights and conversation and that you could get a big audience for it and uh you know later down the road you know i left broadcasting for a few years i came back we launched the fan the first all sports radio station in canada and i was privileged to be the first voice on that and then we did the first simulcast of a radio show in canada which of course was prime time so i guess you know, if I took the time to look back at the career, I guess the thing that I'm proudest of is the, the, the number of firsts that I've been privileged to be a part of over the years. You know, I guess there's other stuff too, but um, that's the thing that kind of has always motivated me. And, and once you get past those firsts, once you've experienced launching something new that nobody's ever tried before, uh, you, go, you, you know, invariably, you kind of fall into, for lack of a better term, a rut of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that just has never inspired me. I've never been motivated to do that. And maybe it's a character flaw of mine, but uh, I'm always looking for something new, something different, something unique. And um, and, and that, that exists even today, guys. You know, I... I have uh, other new projects that I'm working on, uh, unrelated to broadcasting. I know this podcast isn't going to set any, you know, this is going to set the world on fire. Everybody and their brother has a podcast today. You know, I may be in the minority of still not having my own until tomorrow. But that's one of the reasons, too, why I decided to do this five-minute thing. Because I thought, okay, this is quick, it's simple, it's every day, it's, it's not going to consume a lot of time. You know, you got to get in the car and go to the grocery store with your mask. You know, here's something you can go plunk. 
and in that five-minute drive, you can get the whole thing. So um, always looking for something new, something different, and, and something, something that provides self-motivation. And that's the story. Naz, uh, last question before we go to break. Well, you were hired by Foster here. What was he like as a person? He was really interesting. Um, I got to know Foster really, really well. Um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but we used to call him the turtle. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he actually befriended me. Now, Foster would have probably, I'm, I'm going back, but he would have been in his 70s at the time. And, of course, I don't know that there's ever been a more legendary broadcaster in this country than Foster Hewitt. And, um, and of course, I worked for him. And uh, got to know him pretty well. And in spite of the, the age difference, there was a certain bond between us. And uh, I don't know why, but he liked me. And um, I, guess, I guess the one story that I've told before that, that sticks out the most was we went to a dinner. Back in the early days of the Blue Jays, the, the radio network was called the Telemedia Sports Network. And they held an annual dinner, I want to say in the wintertime, at the end of the season in any event. I used to invite all the affiliates from the network to come in. And they'd have, you know, it's a typical dinner and a guest a head table and blah, blah, blah. And Mel Allen, the late, great broadcaster, former play-by-play uh, guy, was the featured speaker that night at this dinner. And Foster... Had invited me to sit um, with him and my ex-wife, um, my wife at the time, um, was of course there, and she sat with Foster's wife, and so Foster and I are sitting beside each other, and we're right. Of ac- course, we're at the table right at the front, right in the middle, and I don't know how many hundreds of people were in the room. And Mel Allen gets up and starts to talk. And Mel Allen was, if I remember correctly, Mel Allen was supposed to do 10 minutes. Well, when it hit 45 minutes, and Mel didn't look like he was slowing down at all, uh, Foster leaned over to me, and in a voice that I'm sure everybody in the room could hear, he said, Bob, is this guy going to ever shut up? (laughs) (laughs) And and I kind of cringed in my seat, and I didn't know what to say. I said nothing. <laughs> so about another ten minutes goes by, and Foster elbows me, and he says, follow me. <laughs> and so Foster gets up. Mel Allen is standing up there speaking. Foster gets up and starts to walk out. And he told me, well, he's my boss, and he's Foster Hewitt. What am I going to do? So I follow him out. And we go out into the concourse outside this meeting room. Well, yeah, it was in, in a hotel, you know, in some convention room. And there was a bar out there. And so Foster walks over to the bar and orders a drink. And I can't tell you the specifics of what he said. But he spent about the next five minutes railing on Mel Allen and how long he was taking. And, you know, many of us grew up with Foster Hewitt, um, you know, watching and listening to him call hockey games. And to hear a parade of profanity come out of this man's mouth was 
shocking to say the least. <laughs> um, and and it wasn't it wasn't alcohol induced. <laughs> so, um, and I'd never heard it before because you know I'd only yeah. seen him really in the office. I didn't I, I didn't really socialize with him. But that was um, uh, one of the great memories of uh, of Foster Hewitt. He was always very very kind to me, uh, and um, well, he's a legend. And I mean. He's he's at the top of the list for me when you talk about the history of great Canadian broadcasters. We're talking to Bob McCowan. Bob, uh, we've got to go to break. Oh, Do by that. the way, yeah. Uh, by the way, I got I got to say this. Naz does a much better Foster. Your your Foster imitation is is good, but Naz does the best one of anybody I know. Naz, maybe you got to ask a question with your Foster voice later on. Anyways, I got to take it to break. Uh, Bob, you're going to stay with us, and uh, to the end of the hour, uh, we'll be we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced contact-free delivery. Order and prepay online and choose contact-free delivery. The driver will place your order on your doorstep in a nice, clear, protective bag. Then he'll politely stand back two metres and call the number on the receipt. Once you answer the door, he'll give you a little toodaloo and off he goes. Contact-free delivery from pizzaville.ca or the Pizzaville app. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. To become a champion in business, it takes coaching, training, and bench strength. And every team needs a skilled player like KPMG Enterprise for private companies. KPMG Enterprise helps entrepreneurs and family businesses grow, strengthen, and transition by offering a full suite of services, including audit, accounting, tax, and advisory. Your business doesn't stand still. It evolves. Team up with a winner. Visit kpmg.ca slash enterprise. Let's do this. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough 
is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 this morning with Bob McCowan. Bob, you still with us? I thought I'd put a scare into you. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> As Naz said, you haven't lost a step. Bob, before we go on to... Uh, before we get back to sports, uh, you've uh, you ex- you've extended your horizons in the last few years. You're not just uh, the most popular sports talk radio show host in the history of this country. Uh, you also uh, got yourself into some business endeavors, uh, the winery business, uh, Stony, Est- Stony Ridge Estate Winery. You're doing a fantastic uh Wine now with the tragically hip. Uh, it's received raved reviews and flying off the shelves at the LCBO. Uh, tell us all about that, Bob. Well, I got into the wine business co- totally by accident. I had people keep so that I respected keep saying to me, "Well, you have a brand. You don't. You're not using your brand." And and really, I didn't know what that meant. And um, but after years of being told that, I finally sat down. I guess about eight years ago, and said, "Okay." What, 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 else, what other business interests could I possibly get into? And I wrote down a long list and then pared it down to two. And the first, uh, the first thing that I did was um, I formed a uh, a production, a video production company called uh, Fadu Productions, and um, it's been in existence since 2012. We've won uh, two Canadian Screen Awards already. Uh, done a long list of uh, sports, principally sports and music, not exclusively, but principally sports and music documentaries. Long list of sports ones, a whole bunch of uh, of music ones. Um, we've done two or three with Rush. I believe one of the Rush, I should know this, I guess, but one of the Rush ones was a Canadian Screen Award winner uh, called Time Stand Still which was the story of their last tour uh, before the band decided to stop touring. And, of course, this was, well, only a couple of years be, um, before uh, Neil Peart's passing. Um, and then I, did, you know, I said, okay, I'll do, I, I want to do a wine. I, and, and the reason is, you know, when you do what we are doing now, what do you, what do you make? Well, you make air. And you can't hold it in your hand. You can't keep it. You can't look at it. You can't display it. You can't show it off. It's just, it's, it's there. It's gone. And that's it. I wanted a product. And so uh, through a series of circumstances, I um, started exploring that. I had several offers to do a wine with, I guess, my brand on it. And in the middle of making a decision... I got a call from um, a guy that I was working with who was in the wine business who said, how'd you like to own a winery? And, of course, I said, I don't want to own a winery. I want to do a wine. Those are two entirely different things. He says, well, there's this winery that is is going to be for sale. He had some some inside knowledge, and the owner lived in Florida and was well into his 70s and couldn't get to the winery very often, I guess, and decided, ah, well, you know, why am I holding on to this? Anyway, so we started a dialogue with them. It took about a year 
to actually conclude the arrangement, but I wound up buying Stony Ridge. And Stony Ridge is one of the oldest wineries in the country. I believe it's the ninth oldest winery in Canada. So it had heritage, and um, it had been uh, not ignored, but um, it, it didn't have the stature it once had. And I didn't know whether that was good or bad, but so I took it over, and we started to um, develop brands. And in the midst of this, I get a call from management of the Tragically Hip, who I did not know. I mean, I knew of the band, but I did not know any of the people. And it turns out that at least a couple of the guys in the band were fans of mine, heard I'd bought this winery, and said, will you do a wine for us? And I said, well, yeah, okay. So along with my president, we decided to produce a 1,000 cases of a red wine, um, which was called Fully Completely. It was the tw- that was their best-selling album. It was the 20th anniversary that year of that album. So we thought there was a bit of a hook there. And so we committed to doing 1,000 cases, which is a, a smallish run. And I asked my president, I said, how long do you think it'll take to get rid of all this wine, to sell all this wine? He says, oh, probably 18 months. And I said, okay. Uh, so coincidentally... We launched our online um, uh, sales at the same time. So we launched our online um, system, uh, which was one of the first in the country, with the Tragically Hip Wine. So we committed to making 1,000, um, but we, only, we bottled 500 cases of it. In the first two hours, we sold... I want to say 650 cases. Wow. So we sold more wine in the first two hours online than we actually had bottled. And that was the big concern, was, holy crap, now we got to bottle the rest of it. And this is, none of this is an easy process. So that's how we st- – and the, and the wine sold out in about a week. And, of course, when you're in the wine business, what you discover is you can't just go to the shelf and pull some more down. Or you know, if you're making a beer – I don't know, 30 days later, you got more beer. Um, you know, there, you got to wait. You got to wait for the next vintage, the next year. So we made a bit more the second year, and, a, and it sold out. A bit more the next year, and it sold out. And eventually the LCBO said, okay, we'll take 100 cases. Well, that sold out in about five minutes. And then they ordered 180 cases, I think, and that sold out in five minutes. And then they kept bumping their order up. So... Um, and that that order from the LCBO, I believe, is over 4,000 cases now, annually. And then we added a white wine, a Chardonnay, uh, called Ahead by a Century. And that has picked up momentum and now sells just about as much, if not more, than the red. Uh, and a couple of weeks ago, we added a rosé called Flamenco, again, named after one of their songs. And sales of that has been gangbusters. And that's almost sold out now, too. So, uh, you know, our relationship with the hip has been um, profitable. And it's, it's certainly about hip fans. And we know that a significant amount of the product that we've sold is displayed. It's kind of like hockey cards. I'd like to tell you I knew this was going to happen, but I had no idea. 
people people who are fans of music acts love to collect things. And if you're a fan of the Tragically Hip, you want to have you want to you want to show your love for their music and display this wine. And at one point um, through our research, we believed that 70% of the wine, the hip wine that we sold, had never and will never be consumed. Hmm. So it, it's a completely different animal, and you have to structure your company in that way, too. And, um, and, and coincidentally, what we did at the beginning was we made 250, case, uh, 250 magnums, you know, one-and-a-half-liter bottles of the hip, and we got the band to sign the labels. And we put them out at $200 a bottle. And they sold out in, like, minutes. And today, at, I'm aware of at least two of those bottles uh, that have sold for in excess of $2,000. Wow. So, Wow. You know, it's a completely, it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's a completely different animal. And, of course, as a result of this experience, we've adjusted, you know, our marketing strategies accordingly. And hopefully in the next few weeks, have it, we'll have a big announcement to make in that well, regard. Certainly keep an eye out for that. Uh, Naz, take us back to some sports. You're an accomplished bowler. People don't know that you're on the pro bowlers tour for a little bit. Well, no, 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 not really. I, I, uh, that implies something that wasn't isn't true. I was invited to play in what was then the Canadian Open, which was a PBA Tour event, and it was held in Hamilton, if I remember correctly. That's correct. And so it was a one-time deal. And it was around the time when um, Mark Roth was playing, Earl Anthony was playing, I mean, legendary Hall of Fame kind of guys. And the, the PBA bowling tour at that point was a pretty big thing. Not so much anymore, but you know, it was on television every weekend. I think ABC carried it. Chris Schenkel, I think, did it. And, and anyway, so it was a fun deal. But, um, you know, anybody who's followed my life knows that uh, I think I was the first broadcaster in Canada with a beard, with facial hair. And, of course, I show up at this PBA event, and I've got a beard. And the PBA back then um, did not allow any facial hair. Like, you couldn't have a mustache. Like, they measured your sideburns, if I remember correctly. So here's this guy shows up, and the PBA members, like the real bowlers, all went, what the hell? And so they had a like a special meeting, emergency meeting this one morning, and gave me approval to play. Now I found out about all this later. I did, had no idea. All I knew was that the the pros were a, a little cold, shall we say. Anyway, I went out, and um, the only thing I remember was that uh, like you play. If I remember correctly, you play six games in a kind of a flight. So you play six games in a row, and then you play another six games maybe later in the day and another six games the following morning. That's sort of how you qualify. And I remember after the first six games, I was ahead of Mark Roth. <laughs> so I thought, well, this is easy. Why haven't I been doing this all my life? And, of course, at the end of the day, I finished second last. So 
Um, and, and believe me, that was not that was not um, the reason why my bowling career ended. Uh, it ended because it was only designed to be one tournament. But it was what they to, Bob. What I wanted to get into was uh, the the horse racing aspect of your uh, experience. I found it fascinating doing some reading on prime time bobcat. Can you explain to the listeners about prime time bobcat? Yeah, I got um, again the jockey club. Uh, I, I used to go to the track on. I wouldn't like. I'm, I, I'm not a track guy, but I used to love to go. I love the social atmosphere of it. It really wasn't about the betting, although I did that. It was, you know, and I, I wasn't the kind of guy who went to the track and stood around and uh, went down to the rail or did any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to put me in the dining room. So, you know, I would go, and almost invariably my wife would come with me, and we'd sit in the dining room and uh, and watch the horses. And Glenn Crowder was then the PR director at the track, and Kraut used to join me quite regularly. And he said, yeah, you gotta, uh, why don't you get involved in a horse? It'd be great publicity for the jockey club. It'd be fun for you, blah, 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 blah. So I said, okay. So he introduced me to a guy who was a prominent horse owner. He owned over 25 horses. Now, these were standard breads, not thoroughbreds. And that was better for me, too, because of my schedule. Standard breads run at night, as you know. And so it was easier for me to get to the track. Uh, during the day, I had, you know, I could only go on weekends. So I met this fellow, and he was very nice, very kind. And he says, I'm going to give you a piece of this horse. Come on out on Saturday morning. We're going to, he's, he's uh, training. So we went out on that Saturday morning, and the horse that he gave me a piece of, well, sold me a piece of, to be accurate, was a horse named President Ryan. And I watched him train, and that was very nice. I was very excited. You know, went over and petted the pet the horse, and uh, then he had another horse. He says, "I got this other horse that we just bought. This uh, baby. This uh, I guess he was a two year old at the time that uh, had great bloodlines. He paid a hundred thousand dollars for him at a sale, which was pretty good money at that point. Well, still is, but um, you know, it was a well bred horse, and um." So I watched this horse run, and I just fell in love with him. And honestly, you could tell the difference in the quality. And I, you know, it wasn't about time or anything else. There was just something about this horse that stood out. And I said to him, "I think I want a piece of that one too." So he gave me, a, he sold me a piece of that horse, that fair market value, and then decided to name him after me. So he named him Primetime Bobcat. <laughs> Anyway, Primetime Bobcat ran, um, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, six, eight, ten races, and did well, but wasn't winning with any regularity. And it was always a puzzlement, because he, quit, he would go to the front, he'd, he'd build a big lead, but then he'd tire. And um, it was a real puzzlement because the horse's breeding suggested he should be better than he was. Anyway, we wound up having a vet look at him and found out he had a fracture in his leg. And this horse had been running for God knows how long with this leg fracture. He was so brave, uh, but it, 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 you know, the pain just got too much for him, and he couldn't go the full mile. And so the determination was made. The vet said he had a 20% chance of ever running again. 
So we sent him to a farm, and he, you know, trotted around for a while. And in the interim, my partner passed away. And his wife wasn't that interested in horse racing, so she decided to sell off all his horses, including Primetime Bobcat. She offered me the opportunity to buy all of them. Well, I wasn't going to pay $100,000 for a horse with a 20% chance of ever running again. So I said I declined that offer. The horse wound up selling at a Harrisburg sale for fifteen thousand. Um, didn't run again for another year or two. Then they brought him back in uh, and some smaller tracks in Ohio and Michigan. He started to win a bit. They shipped him over to Windsor. He won there, and then they started putting him in um, high, um, high-profile, big-money races here in Toronto. And he did. He was he was winning on a regular basis, and one night he actually set the world record. I believe it was one forty six and four for a mile, oh, wow. and that record stood for a year or two. And uh, the unfortunate part is, even though I got I went out and watched him a few times, I didn't have I no longer had any equity in him. Bob, so, on on that note, uh, you know uh, as you've said. For a long, long time, time is our enemy. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. To uh, less than less than two minutes. Oh my! Rapid, God. rapid fire. A couple of things. We've scratched the surface. All right, quick, really quick. Uh, you had a reputation over the years for being, uh, I don't know, cantankerous. Are you worried that you're now getting a reputation to be a nice guy? Not a hell with everybody. <laughs> okay, you answered that one. If you were to interview Michael Jordan on your show tomorrow, what would you ask him? Wow, that's a good one, Walter. Um, one, one of the very, very few high-profile athletes I've never interviewed. I don't know. I don't know what I would say to him. Have you watched The Last Dance? I've watched many of the episodes. I haven't finished it. Okay. Think about that one. We'll ask you the next time. If you ever got, ever got the opportunity to interview Tiger Woods? No, it was another one. What would you um, ask him? I never really cared for Tiger Woods because, again, I, I don't like, I, I think you know this, I, I, I'm not really fond of interviewing athletes while they're still participating, while they're in their careers. They all went to media school. I don't think they say anything. They're very guarded and cautious. I like to grab them after their careers are over, if I'm going to talk to them at all, uh, because then you got a chance that they'll open up and tell you something you don't know. I'm not interested in talking to somebody who has a mental playbook of exactly how they're going to answer every question. Perfect. Naz, really quick. Thanks, Bob, for all, all of this. And the career earnings of that horse you're talking about was 740000 Not bad, huh? <laughs> not bad. He was good. Yeah, I got really? none of it. Not a nickel. Oh, Bob, uh, the time has the clock has struck 10. Uh We've got so much more we'd love to get through. We'll have to get you back at some point in time. Anyways, I'm just going to leave it off at this. Uh, you wow. know how much we uh, appreciate having you spent this hour with us. We sincerely miss you uh, on Primetime Sports. We look forward to all your future ventures. We look forward to the day uh, we're going to be listening tomorrow, and we'll be uh, keeping an eye out where we can continue to listen to you. Bob, thanks so much for this. In the words of uh, Muhammad Ali, I love your show and I admire your style, but the pay was so cheap, I won't be back for a while. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. To all, our Thanks, listeners, to all our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.